I want to talk to you for a few moments. We're going to go to a couple of scriptures, and then we are going to have the opportunity to give. You know, one of the major responsibilities of Paul's missionary journeys was taking up a special offering. It was for the poor Christians back in Judea. Paul was traveling through Asia and Europe, and he was taking up this offering, especially for those in the city of Jerusalem. The church there in Jerusalem and in the province of Judea, it was in dire need due to severe economic hardship that had been caused by a severe famine, not their fault, and by ongoing persecution of the church, again, not their fault. And this is worthy of note. Although Paul spent his ministry and never once requested personal support. In fact, he sometimes refused personal support. Although he never once requested support for himself, he spent almost 10 years taking up this missions offering. It required an enormous investment of time and energy from Paul, and it required an enormous sacrifice from the Gentile churches that were spread across the Roman Empire where he ministered. Why in the world would the Apostle Paul take a decade of his life to raise an offering? Well, he had much more in mind than simply meeting the needs of churches that were across the sea. For one thing, he taught his Gentile converts that they were debtors to others who had brought the gospel to them. And in their case, it was the Jews who received the gospel first and it got shared to the Gentiles. Paul taught all of the believers, if someone invested in you and got the gospel to you, it's only right that you would invest in somebody else and get the gospel to them. And I know this church believes that. Paul also knew that the very act of believers joining their hearts and joining their hands together to give. Nobody got the credit, but God got all the glory. He knew by doing that it would strengthen the unity of the church, and in their case, it would even ease some of the tensions between Jews and Gentiles. And finally, Paul spent a decade raising that offering because Paul knew something that we know. When churches give globally, God always blesses locally. He knew that, and we know that. While the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record dozens of instances where Jesus used the word blessed or blessed, like the Beatitudes of Matthew 5. And while they record dozens of instances where Jesus blessed people during his ministry, all four of the gospel writers somehow missed Something really important. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 is what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We call that the Beatitudes. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. But probably because encouraging God's people to give 
was such a central part of his leadership. The Apostle Paul remembered what the four gospel writers didn't mention. He remembered the forgotten beatitude, the greatest beatitude of Jesus. Every other beatitude, all of them in Matthew chapter 5, all of them throughout the Gospels where Jesus said, blessed are you, blessed are you, all of them tells us we can be blessed. But Paul said, I got one more beatitude that they forgot. And this beatitude says we can be more blessed. Acts 20 verse 35, I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weekend to remember These aren't my words, Paul said. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said, it is not blessed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, I got a greater beatitude than all those that Matthew recorded. He said, blessed. I say, this one lets you be more blessed. Now, one of the churches that had planned to give in this offering, and they had actually promised to give, in this offering was the church at Corinth. But a year passed, and over the space of that year, Corinth, the the people there, the saints there, they just got distracted with other priorities, and their good intentions fell by the wayside. And a year later, they hadn't followed up on their giving, on their plan to give, on their promise to give. And so Paul writes to them in 2 Corinthians, He points to the churches in the neighboring province of Macedonia and he said, I just want you to look at their example of giving. Now he's not trying to shame Corinth, he says that. But he is wanting to motivate motivate them. He said, I want you to consider, I want you to be a church like that. Somebody say with me, a church like that. A church like that. He said, I want you to be a church like that. Here's the passage, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia in the neighboring province. He said, I want you to think about this, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did. Not as we'd hoped, but first gave them their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Let me untangle that King James tongue twister for you for a minute. The Macedonian churches, Paul said, they have experienced great trial of affliction and deep poverty. No no doubt many of those Christians in the Roman province of Macedonia, cities like Thessalonica and Philippi and Berea, no doubt many of them had lost their jobs because of their Christian faith in a pagan Roman empire. But the Macedonians... They refuse to let their personal circumstances dictate the level of their giving. Although they had deep poverty, although they were going through a great trial of affliction, they gave joyfully and they gave generously. 
No spreadsheet could have possibly made those numbers add up. No algebra could possibly make this equation work. But here's the equation. Great affliction plus deep poverty equals sacrificial, joyful giving. It didn't even make sense. But it did make sense in God's economy. The Macedonians realized something. They realized we're never going to have ideal circumstances. So you know what? We're just going to give anyway. I know right now we're experiencing deep poverty. We're just going to give anyway. I know right now we're in a trial of affliction. I know it's not pleasant. It's not fun. It's not nice. It's not good. But you know what? There's never going to be an ideal time to give. So the Macedonians made up their mind, we're just going to give anyway. They figured out that circumstances come and go. And let me tell you something about your circumstances. Your circumstances will never encourage you to give. Never. Because even in the best of times, when all's going well, there's always one more thing to buy. There's always one more bill to pay. There's always one more justification to go to the mall and charge it. There's always some excuse for keeping our money for ourselves. The Macedonians just figured it out. Even in the best of circumstances, we could be stingy. So even in our worst circumstances, we're going to give joyfully and generously. So they just gave regardless of the circumstances. And Paul wrote to Corinth and said, I want you to be a church like that. The Macedonians, this scripture says, they gave beyond their power to give. That's what a faith promise is in our vernacular. They gave more than common sense dictated. They gave more than their income permitted. They gave more than the math allowed. They gave more than others thought wise. And God blessed them for it. And that's why Paul said to Corinth, I want you to be a church like that. The Macedonians were excited to give. Paul said, they prayed us with much entreaty. In other words, they begged us to take up the offering at their church to send to somebody else across the seas. It was totally voluntary, totally spontaneous, and totally apostolic. The Macedonians, all those churches in that province, they knew there was no pressure to give, but they had learned that there was power in giving. They didn't need to be pressured because they'd experienced the power in giving. Come on back to the music. You see, the Corinthian church over in the other Roman province next door, the Corinthian church had many spiritual gifts active in their church but they didn't have the gift of giving. They were like some people today who think, well, my ministry is my giving. My attendance, my faithfulness is my giving. My involvement is my giving. No, that's not your giving. That's just your faithful attendance and your involvement and your ministry. And God gave you your gifting and your ministry so that could be used for his kingdom. The Corinthians, they had all kinds of spiritual gifts. You'd call them the ultimate Pentecostal church, maybe. All the gifts of the Spirit operating, but they didn't have the gift of, of giving. 
They offered excuses thinking they were explanations. But the Macedonians, they understood something. God has blessed us. Precisely so. We can be a blessing to others. And Paul wrote to Corinth, that spiritually gifted church. He said, you forgot something. He said, I, I know you got spiritual gifts and I, I know all that. But look at those people in Macedonia. I want you to be a church like that. And finally, the Bible tells us, Paul writes, and he said, they did not as we hoped. They gave more than we were expecting. They gave over and above what we planned for. They gave not as we hoped. But here's how they were able to give so much to bless the kingdom of God. They first gave their own selves to the Lord. And then, Paul said, they gave themselves unto us by the will of God. The Macedonians gave themselves to the Lord. And they also gave themselves to the vision of their leaders by the will of God. They were a model church. And that's why Paul wrote an epistle to Corinth and spent two chapters, the longest section in the Word of God on giving, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. That's why Paul wrote to Corinth and said, I love you. You got a lot good happening. But I want you to be like those churches in Macedonia. I want you to be a church like that. And I stand in this pulpit today, highly honored and privileged, blessed beyond what I deserve to be counted as one of your pastors. And I say to CCC, Capital Community Church, you are a model church. I could go anywhere in the world, probably, and talk to just about any congregation. We're not the biggest church. We're not in the biggest urban center. I think you figured that out by now. We don't have everything going for us. We don't have multi-millionaires in our church. We just have faithful people. And I could go anywhere on this planet. And I dare anybody on a per capita basis to trump CCC. You are a model church. I could say just about anywhere in the world. Oh, you got a lot of good stuff happening here. But let me encourage you to be a church like that. Faithful, sacrificial, joyful, generous givers. Today, in just a second, we're going to take these little cards. I'm going to ask you to put your name there. You can do it however it works for you. You can, you can make a, a monthly commitment. You can make a weekly commitment. You can give a, a one-time offering and make a commitment, whatever you would like to do. As we give globally, God has always been faithful to bless us locally. Around April, somewhere back there, it all kind of blurs underneath the masks. But sometime early in the pandemic, 
we finished the latest renovation to this local building, and that was our youth chapel, which, by the way, turned out beautiful and wonderful and top-notch and top-tier. And we paid that off, and uh, we started an offering for Oromocto, and we've got 41000 there. All of the bills are paid. And everybody's getting paid that needs to get paid. We have no debt whatsoever. God has been very, very good to us. We're getting ready. We told you at business meeting, and you all cheered and clapped and made a big scene. But at some point in the next several months, uh, we're going to have a yard sale of Dusty Rose carpet. Yeah. Hmm. So if you need Dusty Rose carpet, that if you really want some, I know a place where I can get you some. Especially if you like antique 32-year-old Dusty Rose carpet. Boy, do I have a deal for you. Brother Eric Porter leads our finance division, worked with my dad for many years. And I got to tell you, I believe in long transition ramps. I like that Eric worked with dad so faithfully and so long that we didn't even have a hiccup. And our finances have continued. Eric's doing such a great and diligent job. And I'm so grateful for him and for all of the people that help and serve in our finance department. We're getting ready to do this project. We will not be coming to you for an offering for this project. Because this is here. We don't take up offerings for here. We've never had to because of you. Your faithful giving. You are a church like that. And so Eric told me this week then in addition to having $41,000 set aside already for Oromocto, and we're going to top that up major tonight. He took one of my dad's habits. Dad always delighted in squirreling money away from the offerings and not telling us that we had it so we wouldn't spend it until we needed it. And wouldn't you know, they call me Raymond Jr., but really, it's just like him. Eric told me this week that in addition to having over 40000 already for Oromocto, which is going to sit in an account until we need it, it's not going to be spent on anything else, that for our little project here, we've already saved up $100,000 this year during coronavirus, pandemic, no physical offerings taken for eight months. That is you. You are a church like that. You give yourselves to the Lord and you give yourselves to the vision of your leaders. We're beyond humbled and forever grateful. And that is why I get the opportunity once a year to stand in this pulpit and say, today we're taking an offering and it has nothing to do with here. But for the next year, what we pledge today is going to bless missionaries and church planners and home missionaries and the kingdom of God around the world. I'm sorry to be emotional, 
But Pastor Jack started it apologizing for whatever he was apologizing for, so I'll apologize. And as the young people say, sorry, not sorry. I'm so thankful for you. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I'm so grateful for your people. I'm so thankful for your church. I'm in awe of your great plan. And Jesus, I feel faith in this room this morning to rise to the challenge one more time and bless your work around the world. I thank you for these good, loyal, faithful, sacrificial people who over and over and over and over again, every time we've presented a need, they've allowed us to meet that need and even more. They've given beyond their ability. They've given beyond what others thought wise. They are a church like the church in Macedonia. And I pray, Jesus, today, as one more time we look ahead and by faith we say, this is what I'm going to do by faith, not by coercion, not by force, not by pressure, but by faith this is what I'm going to give this year to bless the work of God. I pray you would lift their faith to make that commitment that will be a challenge to them so you can meet it and build their faith again as they see the income come in to meet the need and the commitment they make today. Bless your people not to increase our standard of living. We're already so blessed. But to increase our standard of giving it is more blessed. It is the greatest blessing to give rather than receive. I pray this right now in Jesus' name over your precious people. Amen. If you would take a moment right now as the presence of God is moving and they're going to sing something and you take just a moment and if you fill out that card, let the Holy Ghost speak to you right now and let's pledge our commitments for the kingdom of God for the coming year through this wonderful local church. Thank you for being a church like that. Thank you. Let's sing and you take a moment to do that. <laughs>